The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. This morning's scripture is taken from the book of Colossians, the first chapter, verses 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is the word of the Lord. Go with me to God in prayer at this time. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have spoken with authority that you illumine your word by the power of your Holy Spirit that lives within us. Though these are ancient words, they have very present and practical and powerful implications. These words, because they are your words, Lord Jesus, are words of life. So I pray in the next few minutes that what we would hear is your word and not my words that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would help us to see and hear and therefore do what you've called us to do individually and corporately as your body. We face the same challenges and the same sufferings and we face the same obstacles of racism and nationalism and legalism that Paul faced that Epaphras faced, that the people in Colossae faced, both Jew and Gentile, and so let us hear from you. Lord, I pray for my sister Erin Cole this morning, and I pray, O oh God, that you would bring peace to her family in the midst of so, so, so much loss. A grandmother, an uncle, and now an aunt. Father, I pray for my brother, Reverend Melvin Charles Smith, at Mount Moriah East, loss of his wife, loss of his brother, loss of his brother's wife, less than a year. Oh, Father, he wonders, where are you? He cries out to you. I pray that you would make yourself strong to him. Thank you for that man. Thank you for his faithfulness through the years. 
thank you that he's not given up, and I pray he wouldn't give up now. Encourage him today and bring him life. Father, be with us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So yesterday morning, you may have seen on Facebook that our brother Terrence Young is... Terrence, are you here this morning? Where are you, man? Terrence Gray, what did I say? Young? My goodness. Terrence Gray, stand up, man. This guy passes ordination exams. Uh, thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Now, that's the, that's the simple story that we can celebrate, but I want you to know that it's much more significant than that. Friday afternoon, uh, Terrence got in his car with his uh, bride, Ashley, and they, they drove uh, north. And uh, they, they were driving to First Presbyterian Church in Covington, Tennessee. And if you've never been there, most probably haven't in this room, it is a very rural church. And so Terrence and Ashley were driving through soybean fields and cotton fields that literally his ancestors worked as slaves. He preached the gospel in a church that was mostly started because of racism. He sat before a majority white group of ministers yesterday morning, and he showed himself approved as a minister of the gospel. <laughs> he gave powerful concise, informed answers to every question, except maybe one that really wasn't that important. <laughs> About church polity or something. I didn't even know the answer, so uh, wasn't that big of a deal. But everything that comes to the Bible, everything that comes to theology, everything that comes to sacraments, even everything that comes to church history, I was blown away. What also blew me away was I was sitting on the third or fourth row right behind Michael Davis who sat there and he is on the examining committee asking the questions. Show that picture. I, I had to take it yesterday. You have no idea. Eleven years ago, there was one African-American pastor in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, one ordained African-American pastor. Today, there are over 15, and most of them are in Memphis. The majority are in Memphis. And I want you to know that has not happened by accident. You say, only 15? And I'm with you, only 15. But there is a movement afoot. And it's a movement that is not driven by some social agenda. It's a movement that is driven by a biblical mandate. It is a movement driven by biblical conviction. It's a movement that reads the Word of God and says, how have we missed this? Or maybe our ancestor didn't miss this. They just ignored it and opposed it. And therefore, we've got to repent and we've got to embrace it. You see, what we see throughout the Scriptures is that this is not a possibility. 
It's not only a possibility for God to raise up um, um, a, a church that is diverse, but this is his mission in the world. This is the primary thing that he's doing. It's not just something that's cool for some people. This is why Jesus lived and died and rose. It wasn't just so Richard could feel good about himself in his prayer closet and be reconciled to God alone, but what God is doing is he is reconciling a broken and hateful world. Groups of people that once hated each other are now living like brothers and sisters in Christ. You can tell no difference between Jew and Gentile. You can tell no difference between slave and free. You can tell no difference between man and woman when it comes to position in the body. And this is what God has done in the world. This is what he has called his church to do in the world. Basically bring heaven down, bring the alternate community of glory down to the earth that the world might see that yes, peace is possible. Love is possible. Forgiveness is possible. Community is possible. Not easy, but it's possible in Jesus Christ. We have a biblical mandate to be obedient to God's design but it has and will continue to take a lot of sacrifice, both personally and corporately. You see, Terrence could have chosen anybody. He had other churches. He had other movements. Acts 29, he had other people that wanted him to be a part of them. He could have planted an all-African-American church. He could have gone basically anywhere. The only reason that Terrence is ordained as an EPC minister is because of a biblical mandate that he has said yes to. It is not because it was the most personal or most comfortable thing. It was not because it was the easiest thing. It was because he believes that God has called the ministers of the gospel to bring change, not just to individual lives, but to the church in general by raising up a multi-ethnic, multi-class church through the preaching and the exaltation of Jesus as king and supreme of heaven and earth. I wrote three different sermons. This is my third one that you're hearing on this passage. It came to me this morning. I've been struggling all week. I hate weeks like that. And in this wasn't the week to have it. We're moving offices. Uh, we're going to be temporarily with Montgomery Martin. He's going to be our, our office mate. We thank God for Montgomery for saving us, letting us in. He says it's a day-to-day kind of deal. Uh, we'll see how that works. But uh, just kidding. Montgomery has been very... Uh, we actually have found office space and we'll sign a contract tomorrow on South Main and we're real excited about it and I'll tell you more about that later. I digress. This is not the week to have to wake up Sunday morning still unclear about what God has given me but I feel like I'm clear now. Why? Because this is precisely where Paul is. This is precisely what's going on in Colossae. This is precisely what the issue is in the church in Colossae. Epaphras, the church planner in Colossae, is the first, maybe the first, at least one of the top three first Gentile church converts to plant a church. Gentile and Jews hated each other. There was no greater um, um, division. There were no two groups that hated each other more. And this was a Gentile planting a multi-ethnic Jew and Gentile church in Colossae. 
And Paul is in prison, and that's not his focus. His focus is not, oh, poor me, I'm in prison. He's in prison for preaching Jesus as king. Yes, that's why Nero pays attention to him. He doesn't care what Jews and Gentiles do, but he cares about the message of the gospel that says Jesus is king. And he must be your first and foremost commitment. And that's why Nero put Paul in jail. But that's not what he's concerned about. He's not even saying, hey, feel bad for me, pray for He's not even calling for that. He is concerned about the church because what's going on in the church is the Jews are causing division. There's false teaching that, hey, Gentiles have got to be, uh, yeah, they've got to accept Christ, but hey, they also got to become culturally Jewish. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That is not the gospel. That is not what I'm about. It's not what Jesus is about. Friends, this is the mission. This is what God is doing in the world. This is why Paul is suffering. He's not just suffering uh, in prison. He's suffering because he is being rejected by his own people who were saying, Paul, come on, you don't really know what you're talking about. He's suffering relationally because he's afraid that these Gentile believers are going to believe what what they're saying. And there's going to be division and this whole movement of God broken up. That, that's what's going on here. That's what he's suffering for. You see, why are we at a, a, a nine-year-old uh, church? We're going to celebrate our ninth birthday next Sunday at the fish fry. And that's wonderful. It's encouraging. Uh, but you, you see the financial updates. We're not, uh, we're rarely, we always end the year. We've not ever uh, ended the year under, but it's always a battle. It's always a, a, um, a, a struggle. It's, it, it's it, you know, we're always begging and pleading and saying, come on, we've got to come together. What in the world? are we doing thinking about sending out a church planner to Bartlett? Because it's not about the money, it's about the mission. It's about what God has called us to do. I mean, if, if we're worried about money, then we might as well shut down and close up. If it's not about the mission, it's about the money, then man, we're not on good footing. So why are we here? Why, don't I, why am I not preaching 15 sermons on giving? Because that is not the mission. The mission is the gospel, and the gospel has to reach this city, and it's got the church has to manifest that gospel in a specific way. There has to be unity across all the lines that once divided us. And we know what those lines are in Memphis, and that's why we at such a young, as a young church, and with the, the limited amount of resources we have, but you see our denomination, another good reason to be Presbyterian, is that we're connectional. So we're not going to finance this. We are going to go to our, our brothers and sisters and say, hey, you say you're for church planning, now get behind it. And we're already seeing churches say, yes, we're going to give you updates on that. Don't, don't get afraid, all right? Um, I, I just want to inform you. But even if we get to a point, I'm telling you, I've been planning churches for 30 years, and you never have enough money. It's never a right time. But the mission always goes forward. Why? Because Jesus is building his church. So the only way for God's plan to work in his world is really for us to be the people of God and embrace this mission. If, if you're here at Downtown Church, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to ask yourself, am I here because of the mission of, of what Jesus is doing, not just in me personally, but through me in this city? Is that why I'm here? It is absolutely essential that you be here for that reason.
Why? Three quick or two quick things and then the power to do it. Number one, for this, he talks about Gentiles, the mystery. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mastery. Why is he saying this to the, to the Jews? Because there's such division. He's reminding them. Why this multi-ethnic church? If, you're gonna, if we're going to see multi-ethnic churches in our day, uh, or let me say it this way. For Paul to have seen a multi-ethnic church in his day and a multi-class church in his day demanded tremendous suffering on his part and the part of, of, of the saints of God. If we are going to see multi-ethnic churches planted in this day, it's going to demand the sacrifice uh, of many individuals in this place and the suffering of many of us in this place. There's no easy way around it. Jesus said, they hate you because they hate me. If I got crucified, don't expect much more in this world. That's why we have a hope of glory, and his name is Jesus. So first of all, if we are going to see this movement of multi-ethnic churches and, and we are going to be a healthy and vibrant multi-ethnic church, it's going to take more than just us showing up. It's going to take us embracing the reality that we will have to suffer. Most people are not looking for a church at which they must suffer. I had lunch with somebody this week, and it's somebody I've known for a long time, and I respect. They're probably top five people in Memphis that I respect as believers, professionally, as, as a man, in all different ways. And he told me that he was thinking about coming to downtown church, and he said, what do you think? <laughs> and here's the answer I gave. I said, downtown church is a hard place to be. You have to feel called to this place. Because I can't promise you that our youth ministry, ministries and our children's ministries are going to connect culturally or whatever with your children. I can't promise you that you're going to feel at home. I can't promise you that you're not going uh, to see um, things that disturb you. I can't promise you that no one's going to say anything to you offensively that's going to offend you. I can't promise you that you're going to have a clear vision of where in the world and what in the world downtown church is going and doing. You have to feel called to be at downtown church. And there wasn't much excitement in him at the end of that lunch. <laughs> I didn't get this rousing... Okay, see you Sunday. And I walked away, and I was heavy of heart. Because what I wanted to tell him is, oh man, you're going to love it. It's so, it's wonderful, man. Let me tell you, because I do, I love it. But not because it's easy, but because I'm called. Not because it's easy, because I'm laboring alongside my brothers and sisters that I love, and I know love me. We would be financially stable if we would preach and teach a different gospel and mission. And yet, there are blessings to being at downtown church. I, I was worshiping this morning, and what happened the last, I don't know how many minutes, praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um... That's not happening in most EPC churches that I know about. Um, and I mean this. 
and I've, I've confessed this many times, I came with a lot of presuppositions about what worship looked like and felt like. And I want you to know that my African-American brothers and sisters, y'all have taught me how to worship. I mean, taught me how to worship. And you're still teaching me. You're still, te- you're still leading me. And I praise God for that. But oh, has it not been comfortable. <laughs> I am such a control guy. I'll never forget the first time Chris Davis, who I know only a third of us know now, which blows me away, um, just got up in the middle of worship and he said, I feel like somebody here has a testimony. And I'm like, no, we don't have those testimonies in the Presbyterian Church. <laughs> nobody's, got a, nobody's got a testimony. Unless I've seen it in writing, unless we've approved it by 14 committees, ain't nobody got a testimony. And wow, woman stood up, said, I came to y'all's Easter service, and I gave my life to Jesus. I've been smoking marijuana for 20 years. I've been giving up on the Lord, and I gave my life to Jesus. And I say, okay, maybe somebody's got a testimony. (laughs) That's one blessing. We've got a lot to learn from each other. But friends, most Reformed Presbyterian churches preach that Jesus is enough, but you have to believe Jesus is enough at downtown church because your idols are going to be exposed. Your personal comforts are going to be exposed. Your, your natural leanings are going to, things that you didn't even know were cultural. You thought, well, that's just how Christians live. That's just what Christians do. I mean, folks, I knew nothing about Black History Month before 11 years ago. You're like, what? African American, what? Are you kidding me? No. There are many things that, but, but here's the reality. You have to believe that Jesus is enough. When, when you have that sense, ah, I'm just not really feeling it at downtown church anymore. Uh, you know what? This is how the church should be. No, you've got to say, Jesus is enough for me, for me to stay. This is God's plan A. There is no plan B, and Jesus is enough. That's what Paul, this is what the energy that Paul is using. Verses 27 through 29. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, Jew and Gentile, and teaching everyone Jew and Gentile with all wisdom that we may present everyone Jew and Gentile. That's what he means, mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Oh, we're going to get to that. I can't wait. That he powerfully works within me. You try to do downtown church and your energy, energy, and it will not last long. You will feel called to another church. We have to embrace suffering. Secondly, we have to not give up on the church of Jesus Christ. Don't be part of its wave of departure. Be part of its change. Do y'all remember 
I don't know, six or seven years ago when the word in, in town was that we should shut down the Memphis football program. Now, Memphians and University of Memphis grads, I mean, we, we were hearing it. We thought maybe they were going to stop Memphis football. But then, they beat Ole Miss. Hallelujah. There is a God. Sorry, not sorry, Ole Miss friends. Uh, I'm an Arkansas fan. We haven't beat, you beat Arkansas, so there you go. We beat Navy this week. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. We're 4-0. Why? Because somebody said we're not giving up. Now, if we can do that with a football team, Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And that must be what keeps you here. It's not, well, maybe Richard and Michael will get it together. Maybe they'll change this. Maybe if your hope right now for downtown church is one of us or our elders or our new crop of elders or the new program or Sergi, the new youth minister, if that's your hope, you won't be here long. Your hope and the hope that's driven me through three church plants says, Jesus has promised, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Oh, the gates of hell will do everything they can to overcome it. But it will not win. I will win because it is my power and my might and my strength and not your ingenuity. We see this. In Paul's letter, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. In my flesh, I'm filling up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. What he's saying is, he's not saying, oh, Jesus didn't do it all. He's saying, hey, he's saying exactly what Jesus said. They hated me, they're going to hate you. So you've got to embrace that suffering. You've got to say, oh, yeah, they hated Jesus, they're going to hate me. So I'm cool with that. I'm filling up the afflictions of Christ. I'm walking in a good direction in my flesh. I'm filling up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. Why? For the sake of his body that is the church. Oh, well, that doesn't mean organized church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Yes, it was organized. The people of God have always been organized, always under leadership. Never perfect, but always under leadership. Epaphras was chosen. He was ordained. He was set apart um, a, a, as an elder to preach and teach and plant a church in Colossae. There was, there was a council in Jerusalem where if you had questions, you could go and you can ask and you could submit to. There was no, let's do our own thing. There was, we got to do God's thing, and this is how it's set up. Does the church need to be reformed? Absolutely. That's what we're doing that's why we planted downtown church. Does downtown church need to be reformed? Absolutely. Do we need to change? When people come to us and, and, and give us recommendations, we're like, yeah, all right, help us. <laughs> we're not, oh, we got it together and you better get out of our face. It's, come on. See, Paul is not giving up even though he is in prison. He's still believing his call to the Gentiles, not merely of being converted, but being engrafted into a predominantly Jewish uh, converted church. Why? Because this is what God called him to do. And here's the question. Are you here because God called you to be here, or are you here because it's convenient? Amen. 
And please, I can't stand grandstanding. That is not what I'm trying to do here. Really, genuinely ask yourself, am I here because I'm called or am I here because it's convenient? Because, you see, the church is not a cruise ship. In a cruise ship, there's a staff that serves you, and you're the customer. In a battleship, there is a crew that unites for the mission against an enemy and the propulsion of good. We are on a battleship. We are not consumers. We are part of an army that's doing something new and exciting and hard. And you have to see yourself as part of that mission. We're advertising this fish fry. Okay, uh, party, whatever, all right. Fish fry, spaghetti, uh, it'll be fun. No, we're going public next week. This is an opportunity for you to think about those people that I hope you're praying for, your neighbors or those at work, somebody that, or, or if you're not, then say, God, put somebody on my heart and say, hey, we got this fish fry. Why don't you come to church with me first and then let's go to this fish fry? Man, I don't want to volunteer for one more thing. I don't want to serve. Look, this is an opportunity to showcase who we are as the body of Christ. There's a mission behind this. There's a mission behind everything that we do. We moved it to October because it's really hot in September. And man, this is the hottest fall of ever. And also, it's closer to our birthday. And also, we weren't ready to do it. A lot of reasons, but... <laughs> just to be clear. Do you know what God has called you to be doing right here at Downtown Church? Everybody in this room can take one step forward to greater commitment to the mission of Downtown Church. What does that look like for you? Maybe it's renew your commitment to the mission of God's church, being the healing agent of God in the world. Maybe it's going, yeah, man, I come here. Us just being here is a testimony to the world. It is true. Us just being together is a testimony to the world. But secondly, find your place in the mission. Volunteer, sign up, attend. Three, get to know your fellow soldiers. Invite someone to lunch, coffee, go on a run with somebody. I saw, I was driving to Presbyterian yesterday and I saw um, Nick Barnhart and uh, Alex Jackson running together. I think Nick was pushing their baby. I'm like, brother, there's a church right there. I love it. I love it. I love to see our people together out in public. Get with someone, run with someone, meet someone, tell somebody your story, listen to somebody else's story, get to know somebody. Um, Join a community group, come to Sunday school, take a step, take a step. What is the step God is calling you to take right now? I just don't know if I can do it. Thirdly, embrace Jesus anew, the message of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the Gentiles, the hope of glory. I want to break this down. And first of all, I want to look at capital C, capital H, capital R, capital I, capital S, capital T, Christ in you. Christ in you. You know what's glorious here? He doesn't say, 
your pastor in you. If your hope today was, oh, maybe, maybe Richard, maybe I could, you know, somehow channel Richard's energy. My, my wife is probably laughing, saying, oh, heck no, you know. She knows me. The team that works with me, oh, no, 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 no. Why? Because Richard's critical. Because Richard's hard on people. Richard's hard on himself. Richard is impatient sometimes. Uh, I can just go down the list. You don't want to channel me, but oh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now do you see why, why Paul is making so much of Christ in this letter? Now do you see why, if you, you listen to, to uh, Michael Rhodes' uh, sermon for last week, he is the in, image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body of the church he's the beginning the firstborn from the dead and everything in him might that in everything in him he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself uh, all things whether on heaven or earth making peace by the blood of his cross this is the Christ that is in you Whoa. This is the Christ that Paul is channeling, if you will, that Paul is drawing strength from. This is the Christ. He knows he's not alone in prison. They can put me in solitary confinement, but Christ, capital C, capital H, capital R, capital I, capital S, capital T, is in me. And you put me wherever you want to put me. You do whatever you want to do to me, but Christ is in me. The Gentiles... Trying, the, the Jews were trying to make the Gentiles feel less than. Oh, Paul says, you look at those Jews and you say, it is Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not your Sabbaths. It's not your practices. It's not eat that and don't eat that and all your little laws that make you feel good as a Jewish convert. It is Christ in me that makes me feel good about me. Oh, how practical. I performed a wedding last night, the rooftop of the Peabody, Mark and Anna uh, McCleskey. And, and I told them, I said, hey, you're not going to obey these, these, this vow that you're about to take. You may not get to the back aisle before you are unfaithful to really love the way that that covenant asks you to love. But hey, guess what? You've got hope. It's not your love for one another. It's that we love because he first loved us. You've got a love to, to draw down on. Oh, I've been coming to downtown church and people are mean to me and I'm tired of it and I, they just don't get me. They don't understand my culture or, you know, I, you know, this culture is always catered to and not my culture and it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Stop looking at the negative and look at Christ. That's what Paul is saying. Gentiles, remember who you are. Don't leave the church. Remember who you are. It is Christ in you. And it's Christ capital I, capital N, in you. You say, I have nothing left. Well, Christ is not over here. This is how religion works. All right, obey, pray enough. How much have you prayed this week? How much, do, you, do you know your Bible? Give me an outline of the book of Romans. Do you know, give me John 3.16 and then maybe Jesus. This is how religion works. Here's the standard. Now you try to get up to God and here's Christianity. Here's the standard. It's through the ceiling and Jesus came and he obeyed it for you. 
Do you, is that the Christianity you know? Do you know a Christianity that says, if I do nothing more, God loves me no less and no more than he does right this minute because he loves me on the basis of who Jesus is, not who I am and what I lack. Jesus obeyed the law for you, dear friend. Quit toiling to try to get God's love. Rest in his love. Abide in his love. Sleep in his love. Do work in his love. It is Christ in you. Christ doesn't need a nap. I I feel depleted. Christ doesn't feel depleted, and he's in you. I just can't go on. I don't know if I have the power to... It is Christ in you. Christ is not standing there saying, okay, you've got to go to Sunday school and you've got to, you got to, you know, volunteer for this fish fry thing and you've got to, no, it is Christ in you to empower you to do ministry out of his love and out of his forgiveness. It is to model the very power that is within you. He's forgiven you, now forgive someone. That's why worship is so important that we hear, we're reminded, we experience, and we practice the very forgiveness of God. The, the screaming, the crying out this morning was the experiencing of the forgiveness of God. It was experiencing Christ in me. Not Christ in a theology book, Christ in me. Not Christ in a church, Christ in me. Do you understand Christ in you? Do you have that deep of a personal relationship? Are you following him? Are you walking with him? Are you seeking to get to know him? Not to mark off a list, but to know the Christ that is in you. Christ in you. And then it's Christ in capital Y, capital O, capital U. You Jew who's looked down and felt superior to your Gentile brother, it is Christ in you. You don't have to, you legalists, you don't have to impose all these rules on your uh, Gentile brothers. There's no power in that. It's Christ in you. You can repent of trying to get my approval through your obedience. Because it's Christ in you, Jewish convert. You don't have to try to feel good. I'm not in heaven watching down on you saying, be a good Jew, just like in the old, you know, be a good Jew. No, the whole purpose of the cleanliness laws, you notice there weren't just the cleanliness laws, there were also the sacrificial laws. You wouldn't need the sacrificial laws if the cleanliness laws could save you. The cleanliness laws, which were extreme and ridiculous, you almost see the humor of God in there. If you come in contact with mold, you are not clean to go into the presence of God. If it, I mean, just ridiculous. There's no way to, to, um, to obey them, and that's why there's a sacrificial system, because somebody's got to die, because you can't keep the cleanliness laws. And yet the Jews, they said, oh, there's this, I can, do. so what you're saying is there's a, three million percent chance that I can get in by, no, God's saying, you can't do it if you hadn't understand that by now, good grief, what, you want some more laws so I can show you how bad you are, he's saying, look, come to me, this is what relationship and reconciliation with me looks like, confess your sin, it, it, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up, but the proud, you come before the Lord proudly and he will strike you down and he will oppose you. It's only those who come 
in Christ, Christ in me. You're a Gentile, you feel inferior, you struggle with your identity because you've been told that you're nothing all your life. You're not religious like those Jews that seem to have it all together. It is Christ in you. Don't try to find your significance in work. Don't try to find your significance in sex. Don't try to find your significance in anything but Christ in you. That is your hope, not just for the present tense, but for glory. Because the Christ in you went into the ground, was killed, was dead for three days, and he came out. That is your future. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, empowering you for service and love and forgiveness and, and diverse, uh, you know, transcultural church. But it's also Christ in you saying the prize is coming. And you can be certain that it's coming. Dear friend, do you have hope in what is coming? That's what allows you to, uh, to give up your comfort now because you know it's going to be comfortable in glory. You can sacrifice now because you know one has sacrificed for you and glory is yours. That is what propels you. Christ in you, the risen, resurrected Christ. Do you know Christ? Are you following Christ? Are you trusting Christ? Are you on mission at downtown church? Dear friends, when we become on mission at downtown church through the power of Christ in you, Christ in me, oh, this city better watch out. As long as we just show up, eh, that's a cool thing. That's what somebody told me last night. Oh, that's how the church should be. Yeah, you've never tried it. Oh, I hate that comment. Yeah, that's how the church should be. No, that's how the, you're right. That's how the church should be, and you better die for it. Because that's Jesus' call, and that's Jesus' mandate. And that's why he lived, died, and rose. But he lived, died, and rose. May we draw near to that Jesus this morning. May we give ourselves to that Jesus. May we give ourselves to his mission right here in this body. And may we see him do a mighty work in this city that brings justice, that, that has so many beautiful, flourishing realities, that brings salvation, that brings relief. Dear friends, may we repent and may we say, Jesus is enough. Lord Jesus... It's you in me that is my hope, not the success of this church, not the success of anything in life. It's you in me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that that's the gospel. But oh, may it be a power that wells up within us at Downtown Church to the point that we are on mission as a battleship, militant to see others come to faith in the glorious King who is worth giving up anything and everything for because he's given up everything for us <laughs> to make us sons and daughters. Do that work, Holy Spirit. We beg you, and we do so in Jesus' name. And we bring our tithes and offerings and continue to worship and genuinely consider what God is calling you to do in response to this sermon. Amen.